Amen. Very good. <clears throat> now let's find the book of John. Would you do that? Maybe you've already done it, okay? Turn to the book of John, chapter 15. The Lord is guiding us. You know, he is our vine dresser, and he is managing our spiritual life in these days. And uh, some have said things about some of the sermons, how helpful they were. Well, I'm not just being pious about this. We're having our Father guide us step-by-step step today, and will again with Brother Shaw. I'm excited about it, but I'm excited uh, very much about this hour and about what we could see. So let's let the Lord have his way. Verse 1, he said, I am the true vine. By me, and it says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. I am. The I am's of the book of John. Of course, we all remember that Moses was told by Jehovah, tell them that the I am has sent you. You know, the Lord Jesus, using the phrase I am over and over again, the significance of it was not lost to his enemies. That time he said, before Abraham was, I am. They took up stones to kill him. They knew what he was saying. But you know what he's saying to you and me? He is the whole thing. I mean, he is the answer, really and truly. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me now shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. Need satisfaction and inner emptiness? It's Jesus. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He is sanctification. What's the answer? A new book? a new method, some new steps to take to overcome my weakness. No, he, I'm it. I'm your sanctification. What an amazing thing. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Our solace, our comfort, that's him. That's Jesus Christ. All the way through there, we're being told. And then, of course, in chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. I am the way. Earlier he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And I'm the door. I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, 
and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to be saved? It's not about what church you join or about what lifestyle you adopt. It's about him. You want eternal life? He's the mediator between God and men. He says, you come to me and I'll get you to the Father. Wow. We're being reminded. And here, he's talking about he is the secret to success. He gave them a great challenge. You will go into the world and be a light in a dark place. You will be my witnesses. And I'm talking about you with all your weaknesses. And you know what you'll do? Preach the gospel to every creature. Ooh, that's over the top. And then not only that, he said, you will be fishers of men. And that night, he gave them the secret. I'm the secret. It's not about trying harder, studying more, using a new method, being a little more pushy, put your foot in the door, make them pray with you. No, it's about me. I'm the true vine. Abide in me, and you'll bear much fruit because it will be my fruit. Now, 2007. Now, some of you maybe weren't even born in 2007, but a long <laughs> time ago. I had been a pastor of a country church for 34 years, and then the Lord showed my wife and I very clearly that this chapter of our life was to be spent traveling for the cause of revival. So we, well, you know what we did? We decided and announced it one month and a month later we were gone. Now that's not a lot of preparation. You're right. More and more I realize I don't know what I'm doing after 11 years. But we stepped out. I remember one day I spent about a whole week on the phone to about every preacher I knew. For years I had been out speaking in various conferences on the, about revival, and I had meetings set up with people, but of course I wouldn't be there Sunday because I'm pastoring. And I was giving my work at the church priority, but now, so I thought now in a month I'm on the road. <laughs> That's everything. So I got on the phone, I called about everybody I knew. If I knew you, I called you. And I, hey, you know what, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be go traveling for the cause of revival next month, and uh, so, uh, you know, I wonder if you would like to have me. So I did, I worked. I remember one whole day I worked on the phone, worked, 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 worked. And I said, you know, Lord, uh, I work for a living and I'll be happy to spend all day, every day making phone calls to people and bugging them about having me for meetings. Because I'm going to put food on the table. I'm going to take care of my wife. I don't mind doing that. And maybe that's your way. But I would sure like to have meetings come that are from you the next day. My wife says, this man called you. And you know, I saw who it was. It was a man in New Mexico whose son had experienced a thorough revival at a Christian college where I preached at the Bible conference. And I'm fast forwarding, but I had a prayer meeting with about a dozen students. We saw a revival that impacted the campus for three years. I could tell you which campus give you the details. James was the hard-headed rebellious senior who didn't like fundamentalists, who approached me after a sermon. We got talking about revival and then that led to the prayer meeting. And James was the most transformed and this was his dad calling me from New Mexico. So I called him back and, and remember I had just said, now Lord, I'd sure like to have meetings from you. 
And he said, yeah, James told us about what happened to him last year. That's very wonderful. We've seen a big change in his life. He said, uh, but we have an annual uh, revival meeting uh, in the fall. And you know what? Here it is, August. And I haven't got our speaker yet. And it's in September. Would you be available? Guess what? I was available. <laughs> so we ended up going over there, and it was really good. And uh, the first Sunday was going to be an evangelistic effort to the people in the area. This part of New Mexico, they were Native Americans, and they were Mexicans, and all different kinds of people. They were going to invite everybody they could do, invite. And they had a cook in their church who cooked for the reservation. And it was really good food, I'm told. And they were going to have a dinner after church and invite everybody to come and eat. So uh, I uh, promised I would preach a salvation sermon. So I worked hard on one and had one ready, and I prayed, 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 and I thought about, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now, if you just ask me, uh, they're going to try to get lost people out there. How many people do you think will get saved when you preach? Tell you, that'll make you wilt. But you know what? When you realize it's his fruit, then the possibilities are huge. So I'm new at this, and I'm up on the platform. The pastor's up there, too. And uh, I said something to him. I said, uh, let me know what you see out there. I mean, like lost people. And you know what I had? I had a whole sermon that was about salvation. I didn't have anything in there for Christians. That's because I'm not very smart. And uh, so here we are going to try to get lost people out there. And I have a gospel sermon. That's all I've got. I'm sitting there. So I said, let me know what you see. So we're coming near the end of the service, and he gets over by me, and he says, well, Brother Flanders, I look out there. There's not one single lost person out there. Nobody. We've invited them. Nobody came. And you know what I did? I just said, okay, I'll just go with it. When I said it, I said to myself, what did you mean by that? <laughs> You're going to preach that sermon, and everybody here is a church member and saved? What do you mean by, I'll just go with it? And my answer was, I don't know what I mean. <laughs> but we're getting pretty close. Last song, first stanza, second stanza, it happened exactly like this. After a couple of stanzas, about six or seven people walked in. <laughs> Adults, not together. Some sat over here, some sat over here. When they did, the preacher came over by me and he said, oh, right over there. <laughs> he said, this lady got saved two weeks ago, and her husband isn't saved. He's never been to church, and there he is. Whoa, we don't know who any of the others are. And later I found out some of them came when church members stopped for gasoline. And they were actually uh, people who were hitchhiking. And the church member said, come to our church this morning. We're going to have a meal. Wouldn't you like to eat? So a couple of them were like that. They were right on the fly, right at the end. They just showed up. Here we are, a bunch of them. So I preach the sermon just the way it is. And I give the gospel, then I give an invitation, calling on people to trust Christ as Savior. Let us help you. Let us help you. And uh, we'll help you if you'll come forward. You know how it is. You're in a Baptist church. So they're playing this song, and here they come. One, including that lady's husband.
two, three, at least five adults came forward to receive Christ. And I'm stunned. <laughs> Son, praise the Lord. Then they're going out there and they're going to have the meal. And at the meal, this was a real blessing. I was watching church members sitting there with their meal, eating it next to a new convert and discipling them with their Bible. Just got saved. Now they're eating, getting discipled. Boy, that looked good to me. Then one of the church members came up to me and said, Brother Flanders, I'm glad you came. I've never heard you before, never heard of you before. But he said, you know what? This morning was really good. You really know how to give an invitation. <laughs> now, you're understanding how I was feeling. Down my heart, I was thinking, man, are you wrong. <laughs> Do you think I know how to preach a sermon and get five adults to come forward and get saved? No clue. No ability in that area. I'm not good at it. You know what it is? I'm the vine. You're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Because without me, you can do total flop. Wow. It's a great thing. And so, our Heavenly Father is managing our spiritual life to teach us how to have that happen. So here's the other things. I'm making these points. Okay, ready? We noticed before, we must be willing to be purged. And you read down in the verses there, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Verse 3. Then she, verse 4, abide in me. Now really that's step 1 and step 2 of revival. Did you know that? Two steps. Number one, get clean. Number two, abide in me. Got to put the two together every time. Some people get clean and they never abide in Christ, so they fall flat on their face the next day. See, you've got to learn to abide in Christ, to partner with him, to be able to have the victory, but you can't do that till you come clean first. A lot of youth meetings is all about get right. Get right about your music. Get right about your friends. Get your right about your parents. Get right, get right. Then everybody comes forward. Everybody gets right and say, amen, revival. And they fall right back into the same mud puddle day after tomorrow. See, it's two. Now, don't try number two without number one. But don't just do number one without going to number two. So that's my point. Here's my point. We must be willing to adopt a whole new way of life. It's not something small to abide in Christ. It is something brand new. Now, listen carefully, because I've got to kind of get us over a little bit of a hump here. You know what abiding me, part of it is complete surrender. Complete, absolute complete surrender. Look down at verse 9, where he's explaining abide in me. Verse 9, are you doing this? Okay, follow me. You've been good so far. Okay, ready? As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Watch this. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You know what abide in me is? Commitment to him. I'm going to do whatever you say. Now, if you read this whole section I've talked about, John 13 through 17, you'll find him talking about that all the time. Now, they're already saved people.
but he's coming back to, you got to keep my commandments. Now, stay with me on this. Not going to lose you if you listen. Look at chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, do what? If you love me, put a smile on your face. Sing it like you mean it. If you love me, write the tithe check. If you love me, show up on Sunday night. Oh, yeah. No. If you love me, keep my commandments. And he says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. The comforter is not it, it's he. And Jesus says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send a replacement. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. See, so, but you know what your life is going to be? Your life is going to be keeping my commandments. Love me, keep my commandments, wake up in the morning, say, I love you, Jesus. And there's a church, I actually will preach it on Sunday. Not anywhere near here, you stay at Falls, okay? But uh, I love the church, one reason is, first thing in the morning for the service, the pastor usually, I say every time, he'll have his pastoral prayer and it'll start like this. He'll say, good morning, Jesus. I love you. That's what we ought to say. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, the Christian life isn't about rules, rules, rules. It's about love, love, love. I'll do whatever you say. Keep my commandments. And I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you do it. Wow. Now watch this, though, please. He didn't say keep some of my commandments. You know what our brain does during preaching? Keep my commandments. Yeah, baptism. I just got baptized. So I qualify. Keep my commandments. Yeah, tithing. I've started tithing, so I qualify. You know, keep my commandments. How many of them? What does he mean by that? If you love me, keep my commandments. Like, uh, you know what? A lot of us have specialties. You know, these people look good to you, Brother Flanders, but they are not anything when it comes to witnessing. I am a soul winner, brother. I am a buttonholer. I'm a, are you going to heaven when you die? I'll tell you what, a lot of these guys are wimps. They look good in chapel, but they're out there and they're not. You know why? That's because sometimes in your case, soul winning is your specialty and you feel real good about it. Because although you can't even treat your roommates nice and your language isn't always very good, you do witness. <laughs> so if you love me, keep my commandments. And your mind goes, yeah, I, I keep commandments. She doesn't. I know a commandment she doesn't keep, but I do. See, that's not what this is. Keep my commandments means complete surrender. It means whatever I say. You got to do that. It's a whole new way of life, which is, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up in the morning and do whatever he says. Not just a little more than I used to. A lot of Christian people think that we start surrendering to Jesus piecemeal. <laughs> See me here Sunday night? Aren't you proud of me? Little by little, can't run into this too fast. Little by little, I'll keep a few more commandments. This time it's almost 10%, but at 9.9. Wow, but don't rush me. Keep on, I apologize to my dad. Wow, I should get points for that. No, you know what it's about? The Christian life is doing whatever he says.
If you love me, keep my commandments. That's a whole new way to live. See, not just a little more, and not just for super Christians. See, oh boy, we like to classify people. We like our heroes. You know, George Mueller and uh, Billy Sunday and people we know in our church or our pastor or my dad or some people in the student body. Super Christians came to earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. You think a super Christian is somebody totally surrendered. See, but I'm a pretty good Christian because I am mostly surrendered or 30%, something I'm better than I was. See, that's not what the Christian life is at all. You don't want me to get up there too fast. You know, I might get a nosebleed. (laughs) That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you love me, just keep my commandments. Wow. Look at chapter 14. I already read verses 15 through 17. Look at verse 21. He says, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. (laughs) See, and he that loveth me shall be loved to my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. What a life. But it's not for anybody except people who are going to keep all of his commandments. All of them. Not most of them. The easy ones, if there are any. The hard ones. Now watch. Abide in me is complete commitment. You know, a branch on a grapevine is committed to bearing grapes. That's what he's there for. So if I'll be committed to obey Jesus Christ and bear his fruit, that is step one. (laughs) Get clean and then decide, how are you going to live? Going to live like the people at Falls. Isn't that high enough? Boy, that's pretty high. No. Live like a follower of Jesus Christ. I love you. Anything you want done? I'll do whatever. Matter of fact, chapter 15, look at verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Tomorrow he was going to die on the cross, and they were going to see it. They didn't know about it that night. But he tells them the greatest human love is the love of a man for his friends when he is willing to lay down his life. The only situation I know of where men lay down their lives for their buddies is on the battlefield. Jesus Christ was exalting the man in combat to the highest form of, he didn't call it loyalty, patriotism, he called it love. Greater love than, have no man than this that he would lay down his life for his friends. Then he says, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you, which means this. Tomorrow you'll see me on the cross. From the cross, what I'm saying to you is, I love you. I'm your best friend. Even if you're not saved, because he died for everyone. I'm your best friend. I'm giving my life for you. And then he says, Will you be my friend? And we say, I'll be your friend when we say, I'll do whatever you command me. (laughs) Whatever. If you've never said whatever, that's their problem. You got to be ready to live a whole new way of life. And you know what? That starts with total commitment. I'll do whatever. And it's not hard. It's about love. 
and about total dependence. Now, Brother Jim Van Gelderen preaches on this, and uh, the teen movement that we, what is it called now? Yeah, okay. That's about total commitment and total dependence. Without me, you can do nothing. See, here's what this is. Okay, ready? Get in over your head. Lord, I'm going to do whatever. Yeah, even that. I know I've tried before and failed. But it's not, I hope to. It's not, if you help me, I will. It is, I will. Now, Lord, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to witness. <clears throat> I'm going to quit my addiction. I am going to because Christians are dead to sin. I reckon myself to be dead to sin. I'm going to be a holy man today. I'm going to live right the way I messed up yesterday. I am, I am, I am, not I might, but I will. That's a commitment. But I'm in over my head because you know how weak I am. Here I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to live like Christ in this particular way where I always fail. And you know the chances are I won't. But here's the other side. I'm going to need your help. Without you, I can do. So this is no excuse. With you, I can do all things through Christ, which anything he wants me to do, even that, even make that phone call, even witness to somebody in public. See, even get up early, even read and pray for an hour. I can't, I can't, but I will. You know what that is? Getting in over your head. And you know what some people, when it comes to revival and God's blessing on their life, uh, have lowered what's being asked of them. Jesus Christ is asking me for the adoption of a whole new way of life. Not a little bit of alteration here. See, I'll read four chapters instead of three. Aren't you proud of me? No, Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, gave everything. And the Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice. That's a total surrender. See, and so now here I am, and my father is managing my Christian life, my spiritual life. And one thing I need to know is that I must be willing to adopt a whole new way of life where I say, I will, not I might. If I said, you know, if things work out good today, Lord, I'll stop using that word. If, uh, if I'm okay today, I won't listen to that music anymore. If you do all that ifing stuff, you know what he's saying back to you? Don't you love me? If you love me, then keep my commandments. Okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it, but I'm in over my head. Now, I'm talking to you. Who would say to me, Brother Flanders, if I really told the Lord Jesus that I would do what I know he wants me to do about something I won't do and something I will do, if I really made that kind of commitment, I'd be in over my head, raise your hand. Okay, so you're fine. Here we go. Without you, I can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I'm going to partner with you. That's what abide in me is. Complete surrender and complete dependence. 
every day. I think it's good to do it first thing in the morning. Good morning, Jesus. I love you. Anything you want done? I'm serious about this. That's why I'm going to read my Bible first thing to find out what you want done. But is there anything else you want done? Anybody I should call? Any apologies I should make? Anything extra I should do? I'm at your beck and call. I'm headed to Nairobi in a couple of weeks. And I was there for a spiritual life retreat one time. And I was explaining what I'm explaining to you. And I got up there and said, tell him I'm at your beck and call. And then the look in the crowd told me something. They had no clue what I meant. Do you know what the language of Kenya is? English. But it's not exactly like ours. It's kind of like the difference between the North and the South. You know, you speak in Louisiana, and it means something different. So I said, do you know what it means to be at somebody's beck and call? So I had to think real quick and explain it. It means all you have to do is give me a hint, and I'll do what you want. Watch telling that in the morning. Lord, you don't even have to say it out loud. If you just give me a hint, I'm at your beck and call. There we are. But you know how weak I am, so I'm going to need your help. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. That's the abide in me life. It's a great way to live. Walk in the Spirit. <laughs> wow. Man, it's great. And I don't want to talk about feelings. Did you know that getting clean feels good? Did you know that it feels better than being dirty? Did you know that being surrendered feels good? That's not why you do it. But friends, I'm going to tell you, it's a lot better feeling than you've got right now. Where you come to the services, maybe this will straighten me out, but I'm still a pretty rotten character. I'm going to tell you, absolute surrender and dependence will give you a whole new life. So the last thing I want to say is this, number four. Also, we must ask the Lord to do what he says he wants to do. Did you know you have to do that? But look at verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Verse 6 is about a Christian who is withering. Okay, verse 7 is about a Christian who is flourishing. Did you hear the words? He said that night, if ye abide in me, this committed life. Now watch. And my words abide in you, like Psalm 119, where the young man read, learned, meditated, hid the word in his heart, let the word minister to him all day, if my words abide in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done. Ah, that's like calling the higher life the prayer life. What if my whole day was based on my prayer time? Get up in the morning, spend an hour, talk to God, spend my time in God's word, and I find out what he wants because it's right there in black and white or red and white. There it is. I'll say, Lord, that here. About your incarnation, it says, and the word was made flesh. In a different level, I'd like to be the word made flesh. See, pick a verse. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me 
you can do nothing, put your finger on verse 5 and say this, I want that to happen to me today. I think I know what abide in you means, but if I don't, help me out right now, because I want to start doing it. Here I go. I'm going to step out of the boat and walk on water. Here we go, and you know what I need to do? If I abide in him and his words abide in me, and I live in the Bible world, I'll ask what I will because I'm going to ask for the things he already says he wants to do. Like, reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Reckon means to want what the word says God wants. You know who's dead to sin? Me. You couldn't prove it by my record. And I don't always feel like I'm dead to sin, but it says I am. Romans 6. There you go. So, Lord, today I want it to be the next couple of verses says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Like temper, thought life, language shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law but under grace. And that's true because it's in the Bible. If he abide in me, that makes your prayers effective because you're committed to the will of God. Prayer is more about accomplishing God's will than it is about changing God's mind. So, and now my prayers are effective because I'm committed, but my prayers are informed because I've got his word in my mind. The whole Bible. From the Bible, I find out what God is like. I find out what God likes, what God doesn't like. I find out what God is likely to do. I find out what God has promised to do. I'm informed to be able to come before the throne. And uh, I'm going to tell you something, friends. When I come to God committed and informed, I can have an effective prayer life where I pray in the morning and it happens all day. Called my wife on the phone last night. In the morning, there was a special need with my, me, emotionally and spiritually. I'm not scared of you. Don't, that's not what the need was. But I asked God for something in particular. Lord, I think what you want me to ask you for is this. And I actually, I'll tell you what, I said, I'd like a verse in Sunday school, first thing, Sunday school, that I can carry with me all day and repeat it to myself all day that'll meet this particular need. If you had been with me in my small group, in my class, you know, with the old people, people there, you know, pretty decrepit and me there, okay, if you'd have been there, if you didn't even know I had prayed that prayer, you'd have walked out of class and said, I know what the verse was today. It was a whole chapter, Joshua 1. And it was the one, uh, you can see how well I memorized it. Okay. Uh, have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. That has a background. My dad died when I was 14 years old. We weren't even Christians. But my dear mother, who was in many ways unprepared to bring up teenage kids, she told us she memorized Joshua 1.9 and repeated it to herself every day. And as an unsaved teenage boy, I memorized the verse. 
That was the verse that brought my mother through the hardest time of her life. And uh, clearly that was the verse in our class. Brother Himes is here, remember that? And I had asked that morning. And that verse helped me all day that pastor emphasized it in church. I'm sure you weren't paying enough attention to remember that. Wow. But it wasn't just neat what the verse said. But it was neat that God gave me my verse right away after I asked for it. The prayer life. The prayer life goes like this. Ask but ye will and it shall be done. Spend time in the word in the morning. Abide in the word. Have the word abide in you. Abide in Christ. I'm committed. What do you want done? Find it out in the word. Ask for what you see. Lord, verse 5, that's what I want. Let this come to pass. And then it happens during the day. You are not going to have any boring days. They're all so exciting. Wow. Wow. And you know what? That is the last point I was going to make about these aspects of the spiritual life. We must ask the Lord to do what he says he wants done. And that causes us to flourish. Now, I want to show you one more thing if you work with me. Turn to 2 Samuel. That's Old Testament. Okay? Did you know that? Okay, 2 Samuel, verse 7. Some of you will remember what's in 2 Samuel 7. I'm just going to point out one thing, but some of you will remember because I think you're bright Bible students who have a grip on the Scriptures. And I may be surprised, but who could tell me in general what you would think is in 2 Samuel 7? I'll let you talk. Okay, there it is, probably a heading in the Schofield Bible. The Davidic covenant. But what is the Davidic covenant? David said, you know, he had been told, delight thyself also in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He tells the prophet, you know what I want? I want to build God a house. A temple. And so you remember what happens. Nathan the prophet comes back and God says, you know what? He's not going to do that. There's a reason why he's going to not let you build the temple. He's not going to let you build him a house. But then these are the words. God's going to build you a house. The house of David, which will always be the royal family of Judah. And your son will build you, build God's house. And then down the road, you're going to have a son who will be the savior of the world. That's the Davidic covenant. God says, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house, the house of David, from which will come the savior. Wow. So what does David do with that information? He rejoices in it, verse 18, and you can read all that. I'm not going to read all the verses. But you know what he does? He says, man, who am I that, that you, you took me from following the sheep? And uh, man, I'm just nothing. But now you're speaking of my family for centuries to come, actually for eternity. Man, oh man. And then you know what he does? He says, now God, thank you for how gracious you are to me. Thank you for your words. Now fulfill them. Do what you said for me. Do what you said. Matter of fact, look at the last verse, verse 29. See how it's put? Therefore, now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, 
that it may continue forever before thee, for thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it. And with thy blessing, let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. He was saying, you know all the good things you said? Do them. The idea of telling God what he said, saying, I wanted to, I second the motion. That's effective praying. That's the prayer life. And that's, you know, where we need to come to. We need to come to and say, dear Lord, it's not just you that want me to bear fruit. It's not just you that wants me to overcome my sins. It's not just you that wants me to love you and keep your commandments. I want it too, and that's my prayer. That's my prayer this morning. What I'm asking you right now is that you will do what you have said you want done. I think that verse is especially talking about his words in John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. I think there are many verses in those five chapters very appropriate to bring to God and say, let it happen to me. Let that be my life today. He said, if ye abide in me and my words, John 13 through 17, abide in you. You're going to ask for whatever you want because what you want is going to be what I want. And it's going to happen. And I'm going to tell you something. This lifting up to higher ground happens when you pray for God to do what he said he wanted to do and believe that he will. You know, sometimes I think it's a good thing to do it as a group. Revival prayer meetings, that's what they are in the bottom line. Dear Lord, we're your church. Dear Lord, there's division and squabbling. May it be gone. Dear Lord, we are your people. You call us saints. May we live like it. Cleanse us from our sins. Lift us up and teach us how to abide in you and bear your fruit. Oh, Lord, let this community see Jesus Christ by what you do in our life in this prayer meeting. See, that probably sometimes ought to happen as a group. But I'm going to tell you, that is the bottom line. What were the four things that are aspects of the spiritual life? Number one, the Father is managing it and working in our lives. Okay, number two, we've got to be ready to be purged. Number three, we must be willing to adopt a whole new way of life, not just a little bit different. And number four, we must ask the Lord to do what he says he wants to do. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, thank you for being a major part.